Superman and Lois will always be forever. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Vigilante 1939 podcast, part of the Let's Go Podcast Network pop culture without the pop. My name is Nick Zanuck, and tonight, tonight, yet again, yet again, there's so much trouble in Gotham City. I don't know what it is every week, but my other two co-hosts, Nico Caruso and his illustrious, the illustrious debonair himself, Nicholas Caruso Jr., are out on Gotham City doing some patrol yet again. So... I'm joined. Usually, he's the Batwoman to my uh, Superman, but this week, this week, everybody, he's the uh, he's the Tommy Lee Jones is Two Face to my Jim, my uh, Jim Carrey's Riddler, but so I don't upset my co-host. So I'm gonna say he's my uh, he's the Crystal Donald Robin <laughs> to my Val Kilmer's Batman, which gives it away what we're gonna talk about today. But that's okay. I think mainly everybody picked up on. Uh, what we were going to talk about based on of our tweets. So before we get into all internet, Chris, welcome back to the show. Three episodes in, sir. Thank you. It's good to be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, Chris, before I know, technically, we, we have already uh, introduced what we're talking about. Sort today. of. Sort of. <laughs> but Batwoman was on hiatus last mm-hmm. week. I believe they're coming back this Sunday on uh, March 14th, I believe. I think so. I think so. So um, obviously we needed to fill in some uh, some time here. We couldn't just talk about Superman. I mean, we I got mean, to do world's could. finest. I mean, we probably could, but you know, to keep uh, to keep the world's finest thing going here. The theme. The theme. We're all about the theme. We're all about the theme. We decided we should probably bring a Batman movie in there. Um, and one that instantly kind of came to both of our heads. We were we were toying around between three different movies. Uh, we we may go back to those other two just because there is going to be another hiatus mm-hmm. that, that comes. So we'll we'll see if maybe maybe we will get to the other ones. But we're going to start off with Batman Forever, directed by Joel Schumacher, rest his soul. Uh, and and again, this isn't going to be a review because by now I'm almost certain that everybody has seen batman forever or has seen parts of it i don't know uh some of it some of it it. (laughs) but chris uh this movie batman forever was one that you instantly kind of brought up to uh to me that you wanted to touch on so kind of let's introduce this a little bit uh what is it about batman forever that that you wanted to talk about so much i think that batman forever is in my opinion the best of the burton schumacher era of films I know I'm going to get slack for that. <laughs> I get it. But I happen to love Batman forever. I think it's just, it, it just takes a lot of what works for Batman and it rolls it into one fun movie. It's far from perfect. It, I mean, of course, but <laughs> it has enough good in it that I think just matters. You have Batman being heroic. You have him doing Batman things. You have Robin 
you have top tier casting, even if they may not deliver the most accurate performances, sure. you've got it. And it also has some pretty solid action for a dude in a rubber suit. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So kind of like first impressions of the, uh, of the film. So for audio purposes, I'm going to not make that same mistake. So what I'm showing Chris right here is my VHS copy of Batman forever, which takes me back to uh, six year old Zeddy, Chris, because this film came out in 1995. Now, obviously of course I could not have manifested seeing Batman forever. Just, as a toddler at that age so i remember seeing it in kindergarten so i think by kindergarten i had to be six years old uh now of course batman beyond was the first first batman that i truly remember seeing like batman but in terms of like live action chris it always goes back to batman forever for me which is like the first live action batman movie that i can recall really seeing and I just remember getting the VHS and just being so like ingrained into it. Like it was everything that you just said. Like I thought Val Kilmer does such a great job as Batman. I think he's actually really underrated. Oh yeah. Quite honest. Uh, And obviously, yes, there's a lot of neon. The movie is is bright. (laughs) It's colorful. It's, it's campy in some ways, but it's also really fun. Mm -hmm. And I think like seeing it as like a six year old, it's Batman and it's fun. Uh, and it's obviously not the movie that follows up to it. It actually has a very like interesting story. Uh, say what you will about the tone, but I will, I just really enjoy Batman forever. Like I just have a soft spot for it, Chris. Uh, I think, uh, I think the villains, you know, say what you will, but I think Jim Carrey's Riddler is actually like really cool in a movie. I'm not sure if you wanted to take that, a little step further or comment on anything else mm-hmm. that I just said? Well, you know, I think that Jim Carrey's Riddler is a, it's a point of contention for people and I get it. But also if you look at the movie and we'll, like what it's trying to be, it's essentially trying to be the 66 show, but in a modern setting. I mean, there's so many little things that are like the 66 show. Mm-hmm. The Riddler is just one of the biggest parts. That is Frank Gorshin. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's what Jim Carrey was doing. And even the costume, it comes across that way. That's what they were attempting to do. And, you know, I, it's been a long time. It, it had been a long time since I watched it. And then I rewatched it for this. And I paid a lot more attention to Jim Carrey. And yeah. while I will say he's not my favorite version of the Riddler, um, <laughs> he is an interesting version and I enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And he's got some great lines. And I, I, also, this is another thing to consider. His Riddler is so iconic, they felt the need to copy it for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Jamie Foxx's Electro character. I, nice. I really think those guys watched forever and said, man, that's a great idea. Let's just ruin it in our movie. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, before we kind of get into uh, some of our likes and dislikes of the movie, mm-hmm. I want to get... So I gave you what my first experience of the movie right. was. What was your first experience watching Batman Forever, if you can well, recall it? Oh, yeah. I was nine years old when it came out because it came out in 95. Mm-hmm. And I remember actively waiting for it because I was a movie kid. I was always on top of what's coming out and stuff. And mm-hmm. I actually have my own subscription to Entertainment Weekly as a child for some reason. Yep. <laughs> but, and, they, and they had this, this issue that was dedicated to Batman Forever. And I love that issue. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for the movie and uh, I remember seeing it not opening day, but the next, like I saw it Saturday afternoon 
And I just remember being so into it at the time because wow. I, it was just what I wanted. It was a new Batman movie. I was old enough at that point to understand, you know, all the, uh, the out of the costume stuff. Because you know, when I saw 89 as a kid, I didn't really get all the out of the costume stuff. Like I, I saw it, but right. I didn't really understand it. And then like with returns, which was even a step further into that adult kind of gothic horror territory, mm -hmm. I got even less of it, even though I liked returns as a kid. Nice. Um, so with this one, it was just like, oh, I get it. This is my Batman. I understand. Mm -hmm. And and like you mentioned, Val Kilmer, I think he's really underrated. He does a good job as Bruce and as Batman in this movie, in my opinion. And he really looks like he could be Bruce Wayne, which I think is cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Chris, you mentioned something really interesting because I think it would be safe to say that. So Batmania, I guess, for you started with Batman Forever, maybe. Oh no, no, I was into Batman. You no, were into Batman. Ba okay. Like one of my earliest memories is actually walking into um my grandparents' house and they had one of those TVs. There was also a stereo. There's mm -hmm. a name for it. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. But they had one of those, and my grandfather was watching the '66 movie. Okay. And I sat down and watched it with him. That's like one of my earliest memories as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. So Batman was always something I loved, but Forever was like just the first movie where I, I got all of it, like the full experience, I guess. Wow. Except maybe the romantic stuff because I was nine. But <laughs> the rest of it I was good with. There you go. Yeah. Uh, then another thing to kind of, I guess, transition you know, some of our likes and dislikes, Chris, is the one thing that I just wanted to start off with is just, I think the Batmobile is just like so cool. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if like I'm in a minority here. Like I know you'd say that it's your favorite, but I mean, Chris, come on. I mean, it's like, I just dug it. Like I'm pretty sure I have the Batmobile somewhere in my little back cave down here. I just, uh, as a kid opening it up, my man, I mean, it even had like the little bat, the bat logo on the wheels. And yeah. The way it lights up. up, and I know the fins kind of make, piss people off a little bit, but I'm like, I hated those what? fins. I hated them too, but I mean, it's it's like Neil Adams, man. You know, I mean, just like I I th I think giving like updating the car was maybe. I mean, we knew it was coming. I just thought mm -hmm. that I think it fit for the film. I just like I guess it's one of those like if you dug Kilmer's Batman, you're gonna dig the Batmobile. Mm -hmm. I mean, Anyway, but dude, uh, what did you think of the Batmobile? I, I really love the Batmobile. That's actually, I think it is my favorite. I usually go between <clears throat> that and the Burton Mobile because I also love Burton's car. Yeah. Um, but the Forever car, there's just something special about it. It mm -hmm. it looks like a larger than life Bat vehicle. And yeah. I love the way the lights work with it. I love the functionality of it. And, and you know, the Forever in general is kind of a more gadget heavy movie, I think. Than maybe the two previous films i would agree and seeing the car have just as many gadgets was fun and just yeah. the overall design is cool i mean i had the toy too and i loved the way it would light up and it had that missile thing in the front mm -hmm. it's, it's just a cool car i would i would agree cool design. i would agree so yeah so uh chris let's take this one a little step further so we already mentioned that we both really liked val kilmer mm -hmm. excuse me val kilmer as batman bruce wayne uh, what is it that you specifically liked about Val Kilmer as uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman? I like that he had his performance is probably one of the more grounded of the film. I think mm -hmm. he is kind of the straight man in the circus, if you will. Yep. And I enjoyed the way he he carried that and just the way he reacts to things. It, it just is very Bruce Wayne to me. 
And then when he's got the suit on, you don't question him. That's Batman. <laughs> I love that. I love that. He is he is Batman. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this was one of those where you knew going into it that it was a continuity between mm-hmm. Burton's Batman and the Schumacher Batman. So, I mean, Chris, right? I mean, it's either like you were either into the idea or you weren't. So right. I think for some, it was hard to have seen this Kilmer Batman is the same Michael Keaton Batman because it's such a tonal difference, right? It is, but I like that they don't like force it down your throat. It, it's like, it's there if you want it to be. If you don't, that's fine too. And that's another thing I liked about Kilmer's performance overall because he wasn't trying to ape Keaton. Mm-hmm. He did his own thing. And it, I think that it worked for the most part, but also he was given a lot more material to chew on than I think Keaton was because this movie in a way was a lot more about Bruce or maybe it was equal to Bruce and Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think that worked in Kilmer's favor. I agree. And Chris, like a major, a major like that I had, that I have about this film is I love how smart it kind of makes Bruce Wayne in this movie mm-hmm. in a sense that like it's Bruce trying to solve riddles. <laughs> I mean, and I especially like that one where he's with Alfred in the cave. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. Like, that's like, that's what I want. I mean, like, I just, I just thought it was cool. And like, yes, I mean, I don't have any issues that he was a blonde actor playing Batman. I still think that that is absolutely stupid that people continue to like fling up hair color as why as to an actor can't play or not play a role. So, but I agree with you. I thought Kilmer was grounded in a role. I think when he has the suit on, he looks like Batman. Mm-hmm. I thought the action was really like just really well done. I thought like he, he was a fierceful Batman. He was. He I was would say, right? So yeah, he was a fighter. So, and then, you know, obviously, like, he's got a lot of iconic shots throughout the movie, Chris. Yeah. A like, lot of iconic shots. Yeah, I was re-watching. I was, I was thinking, man, I don't remember so many cool shots of him in the suit. Like, I think the one everybody thinks about or goes to, like, automatically is that scene when uh, they're in that underground subway construction area thing mm-hmm. and he pops out of the fire. Oh, I think everybody goes to that shot, which is great. But yep. there's other shots too, like him um, coming down off the bridge from the Batmobile to yep. meet Chase Meridian and Gordon. That's a yep. really cool shot too. There's a bunch of stuff in this movie, and also oh, yeah. the suit looks so good in this movie. It does, it does, right? And it, you know, and again, it looks like it's it looks like it still could be Keaton in a mm-hmm. sense, right? Like the logo still, I think, kind of looks the same. I mean, I think it, I think it does I a little bit, is, or it? it looks more like the Return suit, I think, in a sense. Yeah, it, it's more like the return suit. It's more like the return suit. Yeah. But uh, 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 <laughs> never mind. Um, but so, uh, so Chris, give me another one of your likes in this film. And then we'll give, we'll each give like a dislike that we have in the film. Cool. Um, another like I had was the, um, the stuff with Two-Face. I liked seeing Two-Face. I don't particularly love this version of Two-Face, mm-hmm. but I like this the, kind of the, just the overall feel of him, the things he does, and I like the way he's handled, but I would have preferred a much more grounded approach. <laughs> but I do like Two-Face. Yeah, yeah my, my thing is like, yes, is Tommy Lee Jones like way over the top? Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. I think he is. He might, he might even be a little old, way over the top more than Jim Carrey was, because at least Jim Carrey's Riddler, I can understand like the performance that he's trying to give, like it's clearly just an homage to Frank Ocean's Ridley, right? Whereas <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones's Two Face, you don't really have anything to kind of work off of because there was never a live action Two Face 
to compare anything to, right? So this was, for most, this was their introduction to Two Face, which was, which was weird. But I mean, to say that you had Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face in a Batman movie, and you botched it like that, <laughs> ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one, Chris. That's a tough one. Not gonna lie. I mean, you those were two actors in in the peak of their careers mm-hmm. in the '90s, especially, especially Jim Carrey. Who just couldn't do anything wrong in the 90s. Uh, no, but. especially that year of 95. Yeah. But, I, you know, we say that the performance is botched for Tommy Lee Jones, and I don't know if you agree with this, but botched as it may be, he works in the construct of the film. That's true. He, he works in the context of this film. It, it makes sense that he's like this and he's, he's wacky, <laughs> you know? I would agree. I would agree. So... Chris, I'm gonna pair two people up because I want to get your your opinions on this one. So, okay, let's uh, talk to me about Chase Meridian, and then I want to get Chris O'Donnell's Robin. I want to hear what you think of, of those two characters. Okay, I like this. Yeah. So Chase Meridian, I think she, so. This is a weird one. <laughs> Some of her scenes are really good because I like that they play the play up the fact that she's an intelligent lady. Mm-hmm. And then other parts that she has, other scenes, she's just like, I don't know the, the way to put it, but she just wants to date Batman. And it's it's weird yeah. because I'm not saying you can't be intelligent and you know that too, but it's just a weird shift that they have with her. Because mm-hmm. you have these moments of really cool, like I know what I'm talking about, and then I want you know, I like black rubber. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's a weird transition, but I, I do like the character overall. I think Trace, Chase Meridian is a great character, and Nicole Kidman is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You, you don't go wrong with Nicole Kidman. I, I don't think so, anyway. Chris, I, I want you to just picture like six year old Zeddy mm-hmm. just watching like Nicole Kidman's Chase Meridian, probably just giving him some thoughts that maybe a six year old should probably <laughs> wait a few more years uh, to have, right? I mean, I guess that's probably the most appropriate way to put it, right? Right? I mean, uh, if, if we need to, sure. Sure, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but works. I mean, <laughs> I agree with you. I, I think there's elements of her character that I really dig in a movie. Like, I think she's a serviceable love interest. Yes. For Bruce. Like, I dig that this is a psychologist that he's into. It's his it, own Harley Quinn. Yeah. So, because I mean, look, I mean, like, Vicki Vale was a photographer who was digging into his life, you know, whereas Chase Meridian was just a psychologist who just happened to be obsessed with Batman. Like it's, is it a nineties like plot? Yeah, sure. It is. She's obsessed with Batman. I mean, right. I think every, every superhero movie up until like modern day had that kind of plot line. Right. So I mean, it's some even have that now. Some even have that now still. So it's, it's a stigma that's kind of stuck and it works. It's it always finds a way to work, Chris. Right. Yeah. For the overall, most part. she does. Overall, yeah. she does work. It just, I wish they would have toned down some of those, um, some of those scenes where she, it just seems like she's there to date Batman. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And as far as Chris O'Donnell goes, this one I always enjoyed for some reason. Mm-hmm. And it did hit, like, as a kid and a teen, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's Robin. Yeah. As an adult, I was like, why is he like 30? And he has to be <laughs> someone first ways adopting him. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, what is this? <laughs> And the thing that always sticks out of my mind now as an adult is the laundry scene. Who thought that was a cool idea? Like who wrote that and said, this is the scene. This is where we get people on board with him as Robin. 
You thought Warner Brothers had a problem with something that Zack Snyder shot. You mean to tell me that not one studio executive looked at that Batman Forever scene and was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, let's let's throw that in there. This Everybody will dig this one. This is it. This is the one that's going to put Chris O'Donnell's Robin on the map. Yep. We're going to sell all the toys. And, it, all the and, it's, and it's the one that got him to start in the in the next film after this. Yep. I agree. Oh, yeah. This, this is what, like, as soon as he did that scene when he got off set, they handed him a contract for Batman and Robin. I guarantee it. Yeah. Like, please, yeah. how much money do you want? But other than the laundry scene and the weird 30 year old man thing, he's fine. I didn't really mind him. Yep. And then uh, and he takes the Batmobile for a spin, Chris. And I love that scene. It's actually a really fun scene. I think it's, it's a, a cool fun. scene. And the yeah. neon gang, that's really interesting. But I mean, that's just Schumacher's Gotham. It's a very interesting place because you have a neon gang, mm-hmm. but then you know, like hypothetically, you would have someone like Catwoman still running around mm. because you know she survives return, so she'd be around. Or you know, and you have other characters. Did that you say that? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I was just saying that there's a lot of different things to uh, Schumacher's Gotham. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and I actually like the way Schumacher's Gotham looked aesthetically too for what mm-hmm. it's. What is worth? Um, did you think that Crystal Donald's Robin felt more like Tim Drake to yes. you? Or did you think that it was okay? I'm not. I'm glad I'm not the only one that, as the movie age, I was like, he feels more like Tim than he does Grayson. Which I want to bring up, Chris, so this doesn't get lost. And then I want to talk about some other things, like on the technical side. Okay. Uh, I really like the flying Grayson sequence, the circus mm-hmm. sequence. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that because I just I thought that was cool. I always thought that the ringleader guy was Tim Burton for some reason. Nice. I don't know why. I thought it was Tim Burton. Uh, That seems really cool because it showcases the Wayne murders essentially in a different view. Yeah. That's really what it feels like. Not to say it doesn't have its own personality because it does, but you get that same kind of impact from it. And I like the way it's handled because it's not just like like, um, Two-Face didn't go there specifically to murder the Graysons. It just happened. It's the same way Martha and Thomas just happened. So I, I enjoy the parallels there. And just the scene wow. itself is cool. Yep. Um, Bruce actually standing up screaming Harvey on Batman. That's the choice. Interesting. Nobody heard him. Nobody heard him, Chris. Somehow. Nobody heard him, but hey, cool. <laughs> Plot armor. I don't care. It works. Yeah. Which seeing Bruce Wayne just, just kick some ass in there, I thought was just really cool too. Um, it's him being heroic, and I, I like seeing yeah. that. So, but I mean, like as a as a big Robin fan that I am, I just seeing like the Flying Graysons like sequence like that, like even as a kid, I just I th- I think was cool, and I think that the scene is like done really really well. Uh, it's actually what I envision. Oh really? Like, the sequence to play out. Oh yeah. I mean, may- maybe not in like like the climax of like Bruce Wayne like fighting people, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, but like in terms of like seeing the acrobatic stuff. Oh, okay like that kind of stuff like seeing like getting introduced to them like if i was getting introduced to those characters i would be i would be like well okay with that i don't i thought it was well choreographed yeah it was believable it was believable yep so yeah so chris kind of what i want to uh jump to now is i think um what did you think of the casting choices overall like would you change anything did you like wh- like what did you think about them overall? Overall, I think the cast does a solid job. I, I wouldn't change any of them. I might just say, 
I just I might just have character notes like you know hey please don't do this or you know you're Harvey Dent you're not the Joker on Speed um, mm-hmm. or some type of alcohol whatever um, don't do the kung fu laundry perhaps less less in love with black rubber you know just certain things but overall the cast no nah, I wouldn't change them I think they're fine I I think there's always going to be the what if we had Billy D. Williams and Robin Williams as Riddler and Two Face? Mm-hmm. That's something that I would be. I, that's the only thing I would have been curious to see. But I'm good with what we got. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna agree with you, uh, Chris. My only like gripes about, it, especially like as I've gotten older and I've watched it more times, is really just more like the tone, which <laughs> I knew like again in 1995 what they were doing with Batman. I know this was always gonna be the way that they that they went with the character, and that's fine. Uh, but I think that they maybe should have released a more darker version of the film, Chris. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just maybe. saying. Perhaps. Maybe. I've heard there's something like that currently exists. I don't I know. know. Which uh, was, I don't know. <laughs> which I'm going to save that for the end because before we wrapped up this discussion, Chris, talk to me a little bit about the music in this film, because which is one of the few things that everybody really points out about this movie is how fire that soundtrack is, Chris. The soundtrack is fire. <laughs> like, you have that U2 song, uh, Hold Me, Kiss Me, Throw Me, Kill Me. Mm-hmm. Awesome song. It had the cool music video, too. Like, the animated U2 and, like, Bono was the devil or something. It was cool. <laughs> yep. And then, of course, I mean, Kiss from a Rose. You guys can't see it, but Nick is doing, like, a hand thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid soundtrack you know this is um so of course 89 had the print soundtrack which is really good like you got bad dance you got party man you got some other stuff um returns i don't think was as big of a soundtrack if i remember correctly i think it was more it was more of like an orchestra, orchestra. yeah it was more danny elfman yeah. which was fine but um you know it, it's just a mix as far as this goes, because he even had The Offspring on there. Yeah, that mm-hmm. Smash It Up song, which is cool. But there's one song that nobody ever talks about. It's one of my favorites. I'm actually looking it up right now because I forgot to do this earlier. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called, I believe it's Bad Days by the Flaming Lips. Oh. It's a song that plays when the when Edward Nigma gets home after killing his boss. <laughs> it's, it's just a really, I like the song a lot. Oh, um, but the music's great. And then if you listen to the score, the the batman theme is mm. really good it's different from elfman's yep. but i think it's great mm-hmm. i agree i agree so chris um there's a lot of talk going around lately especially with uh this idea of there's director it's director cut uh mania right now where mm-hmm. it seems like Zack snyder's justice league is opening up i guess the door for more versions of these type of films because it's no secret that Batman Forever does have a different version mm-hmm. of the film and there's some talk that maybe uh, down the line uh, there could be a Schumacher cut. Now, would you like to see the Schumacher cut, Chris? I would like to see the Schumacher cut. The Schumacher cut is, well, the, as we said, there's a cut that exists already. Mm-hmm. That one is darker and it's got some different stuff in there. Um, so I would like to see an official version of that cut. Yes. I'm very interested in seeing what else Schumacher wanted to do. 
that WB essentially said no to. Or maybe he just, I, I don't know the story the behind the scenes on this one, but maybe he just decided, hey, I want to make it more colorful on my own. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm very interested to see, or if we get to see that cut, because I, I'd be first in line for it. I agree. I agree. So, Chris, uh, closing thoughts on uh, Batman Forever. I said it was my favorite of the era, but honestly, it does depend on the day you ask me. Sometimes it is 89. It just depends on the day. But forever, it just holds this nostalgic place for me. This this nostalgic place in my heart. I love it. Like I said, I have a soft spot. It's got a little bit of everything. It's an easy watch. It doesn't require a lot of brain power, uh, which is funny considering what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for somebody to make that distinction, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's not you know it's not overly complicated it's a fun watch it, if you like the 66 show it's a fun homage there's a lot of little things in it mm-hmm. it's a good time i mean you could do far worse when looking for batman content like the sequel <laughs> nice nice but How about Chris, you? i'm still very upset that you never once asked me to dance throughout the duration <laughs> of I'm talking about about this movie i i am really heartbroken i'll be funny i mean I'm like sorry wow i mean like <laughs> i'll just send you a riddle later there you go there you go yeah i gotta agree with you this just does hold a nostalgic place in my heart i mean ha- i mean regardless of how you may feel how the movies age for you uh i just think that it's a great it's a great time it's it's a fun batman movie and as and i as i've used the line before there's worse ways to spend your time trust me there's way worse mm-hmm. ways to spend your time than wanting to pop on batman forever so there's gonna there's gonna be our batman talk i guess of this episode chris this was uh this was a blast actually revisit like i i had a good time kind of revisiting this a few days ago this was this was great it's kind of going to the yeah, back it was a good a time bit. so I, I like going back and watch. it's been so long since i'd seen it start to finish so it was cool to do that mm-hmm. so, now i'm good for another few, few years i think <laughs> nice so here's um i want to do something kind of interesting because if you're listening uh we do have another hiatus i think we might have one more even uh coming up so if you want us to talk about another batman movie let us know when we drop this uh podcast on twitter so i will tweet it out if you want us to do 89 next we will do 89 if you want us to do Returns next. We'll do returns. If you want it, Scott forbid. If you want us to do Batman and Robin, we'll do Batman and Robin. Or I say let's do it. <laughs> I say let's do it. You know what? Why not? So there you go. But as always, let us know what you thought, what you think of Batman Forever at Vigilante 1939. We would love to hear what you think of it. So, but Chris, now we're going to transition to the second half of World's Finest, mm-hmm. the, the the granddaddy of DC, <laughs> the main event, the main event. So. Welcome to the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's episode three of Superman and Lois, Chris. Which, again, why does why does it why is it this good, Chris? Why is it this good? <laughs> Tell me, Chris. Talk to me about episode three of Superman and Lois. It's just another solid episode. They're three for three right now. Like, how? How did you? How are they achieving this? It's three for three. I don't understand. So. If you've been listening for the last three episodes, this will be a spoiler episode. So if you listen to this episode and you hear spoilers, I won't feel bad for you because you were warned. You were warned off the top. So go watch the episode if you haven't, and then come back and hear what we have to say. So 
Chris, much like we just did for Batman Forever, what were your likes about this week's episode? And if you have any dislikes on the episode, uh, feel free to tell me. I actually do have some dislikes this episode, but we'll get to that. Um, as far as the likes go, I really enjoy the family dynamic they keep doing. And I, I think I've said it before, I didn't think I would, but I enjoy the family dynamic. I enjoy how Clark has like a story for everything so far. And he delivers it in like this fatherly way. Like when he's talking to Jordan about baseball, I really like that. Um, I like seeing the development of the boys, them getting to go to school together, seeing a little bit more of Jordan, mm-hmm. um, seeing a little bit, just more of them interacting with people. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the stuff with Lois. I thought that was cool. Um, little, not, not as meaty as I would have liked it, I think. I think there needs to be a little bit more there, but I'm liking it so far and. I mean, once he puts on the suit, it's just golden. Wow. It's it's golden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, I got to agree with you wholeheartedly. I think what we were talking about a little bit off air, and I think I might have excited you a little bit in a sense, was this one felt like Smallville, Chris. Mm-hmm. If I was ever to draw, to draw any distinction between Smallville out of the three episodes that we've seen, it's clearly this episode. Because what Hecklin's Clark does for his kids in this episode just really put me in the feels because it was Clark Kent taking on the role of Pac Kent, of Jonathan Mm -hmm. Kent in this episode, right? It's like Clark just seemingly happens to be at the right place at the right time. It's There's scenes of like him watching his kids play football. It's him giving him it's him giving his son's fatherly advice of like you want to be on a team, but I don't know if that's a good idea, right? It's just like it's it's exactly what Pa Kent would definitely say mm-hmm. to Clark because it is what he what he said to Clark at the time. So I love that it's like it's almost like it's Clark getting redemption in a sense because he gets to kind of pass along the teachings that his father gave gave to him, and now Clark gets to do it for his sons. But now Clark also has like that mentality where he has the experience now, right? So. <laughs> And then obviously, like you said, like the kids are just continue to like really be a bright spot in the series. I love that now there's tension between it, but it's for something that they love, which is Jordan wanted to play football because he feels left out and he wants to kind of like prove himself in a sense. And then obviously Jonathan is still like the star, right? Like he's the star athlete of the family. Now he feels like he's getting undercut by his own brother because his brother has powers. And his brother is like outshining him at the thing that he's the best at. He's taking his own thing, yeah. He's taking his own thing, yeah. So uh, this one, obviously, yes, it does have a little more drama in it, which is good. We want that. Like it's 15 episodes of drama's got to start kicking in, in Mm -hmm. no sense, right? You mentioned that Lois Lane is doing Lois Lane things, which we'll talk about. That was cool, especially when we get into the uh, climax of the episode, Chris. Yes. That's that's something. Yeah. So I don't know if that's who you want. Do you want to dive into what do you want to dive into next, Chris? I'm going to shoot this Uh, off to you. We did the likes. Let's do the let's do the dislikes. Sure. Did did you have any dislikes? I don't think I had too many dislikes actually. Um, I will say that uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Superman in this episode, but when there was Superman. They really made the most of it. Um, there was no Captain Luther in this episode. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so that was kind of surprising, but it wasn't at the same time because of the ending that we'll talk about. Uh, I just think that some of the nitpicks that I have are just CWE. Okay. In a sense, like I don't like everybody is still like really, really interesting to me, Chris. How about you? Because you mentioned that you had a few dislikes. Uh, in yeah. The you know, but you said it's it, CW. So maybe this is CW being CW, but I actually hated the opening with the paint. I thought that scene was very cringy. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. I love seeing Clark rush out like the way he did to go do the bridge thing. That was cool. I love seeing him wave. That was neat. Yep. But I hated what came before. The pain scene did not work for me at all. And it just, I don't know, it, maybe like you said, maybe it was CW being CW. Mm-hmm. But, and, I, and I'm not going to hold that against the episode because it, it's not a big deal compared to. But the, the thing that I am disliking and this i kind of thought it would clear up so i didn't pay much attention to in the first two episodes Mm -hmm. but here in the third one it's on display again jordan just comes off as very stereotypically whiny about everything (laughs) and dramatic yep and i don't know if that's just to show the difference between the boys whereas jonathan's very stoic and cool like his father Mm -hmm. and then jordan is not i don't know if that's a choice that they're making or what but I, I'm not really liking how everything is a life-ending ordeal for Jordan. Mm. Yeah, that that's a great point that you bring up because when they did the first episode and they introduced that he has mental, like mental health issues, mm-hmm. I dug what like where they took that. Like it's mm-hmm. okay, so the one that has mental health issues is the one that has the powers. Where it's now, it's almost like. By him getting the powers, it's almost like changed him for the worse, right? In a sense, whereas I'm thinking this is where the Clark dynamic kicks in, where it's he's going to teach his son how to arguably deal with these abilities that he's never had before, and he's going to try and help his son come to terms with living in, in, a, in a world where he can be different, like literally. So Maybe. I mean, if that's where they're going with it, cool. But I, I can, I can see your Netflix. So he's, I think he, he, you can tell that he's like the Damian Wayne. Yes. That they, that 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 we were told they wanted to do. Whereas now I'm seeing, I'm seeing why. I'm seeing why. Yeah, it, that's what it feels. That's a good way to put it. But you know, also I have that theory where Jordan is going to end up as a villain. So I think it also fits with that. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there's uh there's one quick thing that I want to touch on, Chris, because I think we've talked about it in all three episodes that we've done, which is there's this uh there's this kind of love triangle going on, which is where I think the CW like love drama, soap soap opera drama, as people like to call, is gonna kick in because Jordan, uh, Jonathan, and Sarah, mm-hmm. I'm thinking is gonna be a love triangle. I'm thinking hmm. because I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm getting this sense that. I think that there's going to be a major, like, there's going to be a major, like, boiling point between the brothers. Because I think, I mean, I think it's obvious. I don't know if you felt this way, but I still think that Jonathan really likes Sarah. And I think he did. And I think that he was just taken aback that she likes, she she arguably took more fondness to his brother. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm off on that, Chris. How about you? I didn't really get that. I, I think I, I can kind of see where you're going with that. I, I can see that, but I'm not really thinking that's going to be the case. 
I'm thinking that they're just going to be like at like close allies or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. They've done CW has done things like this before. Like, if you ever watch Vampire Diaries, it was a big, yeah. It happens. Yeah. But I don't really. Uh, I don't know. That that's interesting. I don't see that happening here. Yeah. Like I get it. But to uh, but to stay on the subject of Lana, Chris, they they do some interesting things with Lana in this episode. They do. Or Lana and uh, Sarah, I should say, because we learned a lot about Sarah, especially like in episode two, mm-hmm. whereas like she tried to commit suicide and she, now she's like trying to cope with the uh, cope with that. And she almost like it's it's like everything. Everybody has like parental issues going on <laughs> right now. But uh, talk to me. How did you feel real quick about like the uh, the relationship between Lana and Sarah? I like it. I like what they're doing there because it's not trying to paint Smallville as this perfect place like some versions have or, or anything. It's trying to show Smallville is a real place with real that. people who have real issues. And that particular issue that they're tackling, I think is very common with small town residents. Like, I want to get out of this town. Am I going to get out of this town? Of course, she looks at her mother and her mother is just integrated into Smallville. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, apparently you have you know, Clark come in who is not integrated into small blame where he got out of there and his boys know what it's like to be out of there. And mm-hmm. so of course she sees that and Lana sees that. And I'm interested to, I'm interested to see what the reaction is to that going forward. Like, do they kind of latch onto that too? Like, Hey, what's it like out there? Yeah. But as far as the actual relationship goes, I think I just went on a tangent. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> as far, as, far wow. as the relationship goes between them, mm-hmm. I, I like what they're doing. I think it's smart. Mm-hmm. And I like how the husband, I forget his name. I don't Kyle. Like him, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like him. But <laughs> I like how he is just really. <laughs> oh, Chris Berger is like doing an air guitar. I'm all right. Never mind. And ribs. And ribs. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, never mind. But yeah. You know, but uh, him, I, I like how he is very different from them and in seemingly detached. I think it adds something to the dynamic that the family has. It's mm. a good point. Yeah. So. Chris, what I wanted to bring up so I don't forget is because I know I mentioned that I can't wait for the episode where Clark gets to kind of go through Smallville and get to see what's mm-hmm. different. Yeah, I yeah. love that. I got a little bit of that in this week because, Chris, you know it. I'm a sucker for Smallville. So when, when Clark got to kind of go back to his roots a little bit, even if it was to spy on his kids, mm-hmm. when he had the crow's jacket on, Chris, Oh, my, my little geek heart was glowing, Chris. I was glowing. I was like, this is incredible. Thank you. Because, uh, again, it's showing, like, a, a cool side of Hacklin, of his mm-hmm. clock, that I'm just, like, really digging. Like, I, 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 I'm, I'm, in, I'm into it. I'm into it. So, uh, before what did you – Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, because now before we kind of transition to the action – sequence mm-hmm. you know which one i'm referring to yes <laughs> uh i guess let's do a little bit of a build-up to that so we referenced that lois lane is doing lois lane things mm-hmm. in this episode and i don't think one could have like inferred that she was going to get into some trouble at yeah. some point uh, in this episode and it happened to be this episode so i know i mentioned that she's going on more of an investigative journalist more of like a private investigator well, right. And usually those jobs aren't particularly safe sometimes, Chris. So mm-hmm. she follows up on the lead. She goes to help said individual and then she gets trapped, Chris. Who does she get trapped by? Colossus. 
<laughs> the actor who played Colossus. The actor who plays Colossus, yes, which I forgot was confirmed to have a role in the season. I just completely forgot about it. I thought I remember reading that like the actor was signed on in the like, series. I just forgot. Like I completely I didn't know that was an forgot. announcement. Yeah, I thought I remember reading up on it, but so so Chris, let's uh let's talk about this one because it kind of scared me for a little bit because this is where I applaud now some of like the acting along with the action, because mm-hmm. did I think that Lois Lane was going to get severely like damaged or hurt? Probably not. But that scene where she calls, where she presses that button and she's like, uh, but he'll come for me. I'm like, in, in, like, <laughs> you know what, you know what? I loved it oh. in BVS when it happened. I like just, in like that like when superman storms through chris i'm like in all right popcorn drink in front of the tv like glued what did you think chris talk to me as soon as i saw the thing in her hand i was like oh shit this is gonna get really cool really fast and it was instant as soon as she pressed the button and you see superman just crash through that with that wall it's like oh man this is cool oh man uh and i'm like it looks so good it looks so good. And, and Chris, it was actually, have you seen Titan season two yet? Yeah, I finished it. Okay. It was, was that not super like reminiscent of like the Connor episode, the Superboy oh, episode? Kind of. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I got parallels instantly from that. And I thought that was incredible. Like that was, that was probably the best episode of that season, at least in my humble opinion, the Superboy episode mm-hmm. or the Connor episode, at least to me. I mean, that was a solid one. Yeah. I thought it was a I I mean just the act just for the action of that episode alone yeah. I thought that was such was a highlight top notch but I mean I know we were talking a little off air where it's like I love that they're still giving Superman a challenge so while he didn't completely pl- plummet the bad guy in this episode he he gets pretty beat for for a solid like minute or so and you think like and then you get nervous because then the tension is starting to build and then you think this guy is gonna go hurt like Lois in the civilian. And then Superman flies up, Chris. Mm-hmm. I just dug it. Like, like the music starts playing a little slower. Superman flies. He's like, is like almost like gloating in the air, like floating in the air. It's like, oh, it was like, it was incredible. I, I dug it. I dug it, Chris. I really liked seeing Super. You know, I think I mentioned this before, but I like when Superman is not all powerful. So seeing him get beat like that and not being able to put a dent in this guy mm-hmm. was really cool to me. But I also wonder if he was pulling his punches and stuff at first because he didn't know. Ooh. Because I think there was a point where Superman realized, hey, I can go off on this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's when he starts to like levitate. And yeah. then he just went nuts on him. It's And it's another thing that we talked about where it's like they, they have done an impeccable job, Chris at really like course correcting his character because this is a superman that is not dumbfounded mm-hmm. i love that they're really proving that he's a veteran like he'll come up with an idea like in an instant like he's not he's not a superman that that's not gonna know what to do i love that i love that like oh i gotta freeze him okay let me freeze him you know that's actually a great point because the fact that he is seasoned changes the way he's doing certain things Whereas if we were introduced to him year one, essentially, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having these conversations. I agree. I think having the season Superman is the way to go. And also that freeze breath was so unexpected and just a cool thing. 
I was actually so concerned cool. that he was going to make the guy like explode. Like, oh, he's going to kill him? Because uh-huh. <laughs> he looked pissed. I wasn't sure. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess now is probably a great way to bring this up, Chris, because now that... Uh, so we talked about the action sequence. We know how, how the ending how the ending goes. Obviously, mm-hmm. he doesn't, like you just said, the bad guy doesn't get killed. He lives the fight another day for now. Because mm-hmm. in the next minute or so, Chris, what, what was an in- wild ending is the civilian is driving and he's talking to an individual who, did they say who it was or are we inferring that it's Morgan Edge? Uh, I think, I, I'm thinking it was Morgan Edge. Okay, so the individual. Or his group. Yeah, or his group. The individual is driving, Chris. And then he gets stopped on the road by a female uh, character who we had no we haven't seen before but she literally lasers him to death chris from the car so uh, it's obvious that in uh Kello, you are not alone <laughs> which y'all y'all better catch that one um so chris talk like to me white, about uh, yeah get some white noise and say that again <laughs> Kello, you 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 are not alone you you, you are not <laughs> alone <laughs> Come to me, Cal. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, talk to me about the ending here. Uh, what did you What did you think of uh, the character, and what do you think maybe they're taking this? So, you know, for whatever reason, in every version of Superman, and I know it's he's a big deal. I get it, but every version has Zod in it, and usually right away they don't play with it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. here's Superman. Guess what? Here's Zod to run right behind him. So, what I think is that. This is um, that the female general that's usually with Zod. I I can't pronounce it. Is it Feora? It's Feora, yeah. Feora. Yeah, I think that might be Feora that does that at the end. I think that's who that may be. I don't want to go WandaVision on this. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, um, I'm nice. Female Kryptonian, and uh-huh. we know that Kryptonians don't typically just kind of hang out on Earth. Mm. So to me, it would make sense that it's her. But even if it's not, it's a really cool scene. Because uh, you don't expect that the way she just gingerly walks in front of the car, mm-hmm. kills Colossus, <laughs> and then love how we're just calling him Colossus. I that love is his it. name. <laughs> that is that guy's name. It's Colossus. Yep. Colossus yeah. dies at the hands of a Kryptonian, or I think we think he's dead. I'm pretty sure he's dead. Colossus, uh, his live action record, Chris, ain't ain't so great. Ain't so great. No, it's not. No. There you go. All right, Chris, I think I'm gonna agree with you. In a sense where I initially, I was like, okay, is this like a, con- a Council of Zod mm-hmm. thing that they're going to go here with? Because she did kind of have that menacing vibe to her. But at the same time, Chris, I do have this idea that much like Captain Luther kind of came in, came, came into the fold here. I'm wondering if they're going to go a similar route to that, where it's, she might have done a bad thing. But I think because she thought that was the right thing to do. So maybe I'm wondering if this is either like the same, the same kind of role as like that dark soup, evil Superman that we saw. Like maybe she comes from that timeline and she happened to like just come with Captain Luther's ship or whatever. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't come alone. We don't know, Chris, you know, so. I well, think there's a, still a, a, a different way, uh, areas that they can take this, but 
it feels like there's a Kryptonian army that I'm thinking is building here, mm-hmm. Chris. So, and honestly, I got to agree with you real quick before we do our wrap up. I would hope that they're not doing Zod, to be quite <laughs> honest. Really? Why? Well, just because I think we've seen it in, in okay. every iteration. And like, I yeah. know they teased Zod and Supergirl. Oh, did they? I didn't They know did. So there was an episode where uh, Hecklin, Superman, and, and Supergirl were fighting. And Superman was like under some mind control thing. And he saw Zod as, Car- as Kara. So I don't hmm. know if that's if that was supposed to be a tease for something that they were going to use well, down the line. But well, he's a seasoned Superman, like we were saying. So it makes sense that Zod could be out there already. That's a good point. So, so he, he should have a full rogues gallery considering he's been Superman mm, for so long. Which is funny because I'm almost wondering if they're going to do more classic villains, Chris. Do you think that we're going to see like a parasite or? I kind of hope so because, you know, we always see Brainiac or again, Zod. Zod is always around. Yep. And I like that we don't have a traditional Lex right now, but you know he's coming at some point. Yeah. So it would be cool to see these other villains like Parasite or someone else show up. Yeah. Especially, I really like Parasite. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll we'll see. It was shocking. I mean, if they're gonna do like these little teases like that at the end of the episodes, I mean, I'm all for that. I mean, I think that's cool because we already saw that now. There's a little bit of tension between General Lane and Superman, right? With yeah. the whole Kryptonite thing, so. Chris, I'm loving these little like sprinkles of like storytelling that they're giving us, because I think we're I think we're getting set up beautifully for like an interesting story that's different. I think that they're going to make the most out of these 15 episodes, and the fact that these first three episodes have really hit the ground running is a good indicator that they're just going to keep going. That we're not going to have like a a breathing period. I mean, I'm sure there will be a filler episode at some point. There has to be. Yeah, but I don't think the momentum is going to stop as far as pushing this story along and introducing these new things, especially if, you know, hypothetically you have this Kryptonian council idea going Mm -hmm. and you have Captain Luthor at the same time. Those are two big things. Maybe they connect at some point. Maybe they don't. Either way, it's two solid threats we got going. And Mm -hmm. there's so much other things in between, like the family stuff. And, yep. you know, the boys figuring out powers and whatnot. So, yep, I'm excited. I'm excited too, Chris. Uh, and I know I'll bring this up now just because so after episode five, Chris, Superman and Lois is going to go on mm-hmm. uh, a hiatus. And actually, Supergirl is going to take the place of Superman and Lois. I actually went right up on this a little bit. So Supergirl is going to have its final season, its sixth and final season. I think the plan is they're going to air the episodes to the point where Superman and Lois comes back and then Supergirl is going to take a break and then it's going to air during the summer, whatever episodes it has remaining. So we're really getting the world's finest here, like heading into the summer, which I think is great. I think it's cool. So uh, we uh, may even, I don't know, we may even do a Supergirl episode. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But Chris, give me your uh, give me your wrap up on episode three of Superman and Lois. Episode three can 
if I could be like a full review for a second, I guess <laughs> episode three continues what we've already seen and pushes it in a positive direction. Um, there's not really much to dislike. My problems with it were really minor. And I mean, the paint scene is, is a, you know, it's a nitpick, really. Sure. And Jordan's personality is something I'm sure will smooth over. I'm hoping it does. But even then, it's not that big of a deal. The episode gets so much right. Like one of my favorite moments is toward the end when Clark is carrying the, the water bucket or whatever. And he's pretending to struggle. Scene. Yep. I love it. <laughs> so, and I think that one scene it just shows what the show is in a way. It, it presents what the show is. It's Clark and his sons trying to blend in to a normal society and hiding what they have. I think it's really cool. That's that's so cool that you brought that up. I totally forgot about that. That's that's such a cool modern way to portray Clark, right? Where it's I know like, you know, he's always like this bumbling kind of buffoon almost guy where he like he drops all these papers on the ground he doesn't know where he's walking sometimes because he really wants to stand out right where it's mm-hmm. i think we've kind of gone past that trope a little bit so i'm digging that it's him struggling to carry a water cooler <laughs> so he can find a way to like spy on his son and just make his son feel good yeah. i think it's such a cool way it's so cool chris it's like you know it's it's classic Clark Kent, but at the same time, it's a modern way of portraying like his, his quirkiness in a way. Mm-hmm. So I got to agree with you though. This, the momentum for Superman and Lois just continues to ride really strong for me. Uh, there's some, there's some things to pick out more so in this episode, but like you said, they're really like minor at best. Um, this show is keeping me on my toes. So I love that. And much like I've said the last two weeks chris i love that every tuesday i got superman i'm gonna see superman on on screen i got him dvr'd every week so in case i miss him or in case i want to watch it again i could always see superman and i think that's great so but chris this was a blast we talked about batman forever and we reviewed episode three of superman and lois so before we go chris tell everybody where they can find you and what you got going on Sure. Uh, everybody could follow me on Twitter at that Chris Evan zero. I do a bunch of reviews over for the Let's Go podcast, which you could also find on Twitter at Let's Go podcast. I do reviews for most of the Batman comics and some Marvel stuff here and there. I also review Batwoman when it's not on hiatus. <laughs> so you guys follow me there and check out the reviews and check out Let's Go podcast as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Z underscore. 95 you can follow this show at vigilante 1939 on twitter you can also uh go ahead over to apple Podcasts and itunes and consider leaving us a rating and a review uh the the reviews really do help the show grow because it it allows more people to find us even even faster and you can catch all my film and tv reviews at letsgopodcast.com i'm also co-host of the let's go marquee show and the hitch which is the uh the trailer show that i co-host with uh emmett davis on the let's go podcast network so i'm literally everywhere if you're not sick of hearing my voice uh feel free to check those shows out and uh chris i can't wait for uh next week sir it's gonna be another good time we gotta see what we're gonna review what we, else do. we do we do we gotta see what we're gonna review next which is all already so much fun i can tell we're gonna have a blast chris so thank you so much again sir and this is gonna be episode three of the world's finest for chris evans my name's Nick Zanik. As Michael Keaton's Batman always says, I want you to tell all your friends about me. <laughs>